The Start On Demand. On demand. Questions surround the Winnipeg Gold Eyes as Sam Cates reveals he's working on a baseball deal in Ottawa. Are the Gold Eyes leaving Winnipeg? Mayor Brian Bowman wants the province to mandate masks across Manitoba. Pumpkin spice craft dinner? What traditions do you hate with changing seasons? A lot of people hate this pumpkin spice stuff. And it's the start versus the news with Rich and Julie after they ruined our question of the day. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, September 23rd podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, or should I say the Flash McGarry and McNabb. Loren, <laughs> I just witnessed something, uh, an impressive feat of athleticism from one Greg Mackling, which was born out of uh, sheer necessity, I guess. Right, Greg? I got locked out uh, <laughs> of our studio area. There's a labyrinth of doors and hallways in our new location, and you can't get through any door without a pass key. Except for one, you can get into the washroom, and yeah. I forgot my pass key. You'd gone downstairs. I was not waiting for you. I had stuff I needed to do. Yeah. And then it dawned on me. There is a way. There yeah. is a way. There's a magic button for me to press, but it's a long way from that door. <laughs> it took me three tries, but I finally made it from that location through the door, and... uh St. Boniface Hospital, you can stand down. Everything's <laughs> A-OK. Do we have an AED in that? I'm trying to figure out where that would be in that building if we oh, needed it. Oh, uh, good question. I probably should have looked for that first. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to sign up for some first aid training through work the other day, but then I realized I'm not even at work, so that would be the real <laughs> kick. Can someone call Loren? I'll be there in 45 minutes, guys. Take care of yourself until then. So if you want to see this video of Greg running from our front desk to the door way down the hall in, what did you have, like t- under 10 seconds? Right? I don't know. I didn't put a stopwatch on it. I guess I just have to watch the video, yeah. and uh, that would tell me how long it was. But when you turn down the hallway to get to that door, it's a lot longer than I imagined the first time I did it. Oh, it's way down there. Yeah. I thought, ah, I make it no problem. But, uh, yeah, three it tries. And- reminds me of, you know, when you're um- – your garage door yes, and has a yes, sensor. Exactly. And one night we were having a neighborhood, uh, f- this is years ago, block party, and they all make fun of me because I always leave the garage door open. And you know, is McNabb home? Is she not home? Should we go close her garage door? Like, what's going on there? And I said, well, all you got to do is just go close it and run out. And they're like, you try that. And so then, of course, for the next 30 minutes, it's a bunch of 40-somethings hitting the button on the garage door and then trying to get out of the garage door where you, there's kind of like that unknown sensor spot that if you leap over this imaginary line, the door will continue to close. But if you hit that sensor, of course, the door stops and reopens. And that that kept us occupied for, I'm, I want to honestly say, way too long. It was a full <laughs> midlife crisis. Like, I can do, if I can do this, I'm still young, you know? Well, you think you're Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies <laughs> without seeing the actual laser. But can I tell you a little trick? 
if they have one of the uh, pin pads on the outside of the door, like most of us have, all you ever have to do, if your neighbors left their door open, you just have to press enter and the door will close. Oh, I don't have that life hack. <laughs> I don't have that though. You don't have a pin pad on the outside of your door. No, no. Oh my! That's high end. Well, well then, uh, continue it old school over here. Continue to jump over the laser beams, then, McNabb. Thank you, thank you, and I can. For the record, I can. We want video now. Well, I'll see what I can do. That's your assignment today. Is I will to... also add about once a month. I get a text when I wake up in the morning, like that says. Hey, McNabb, you left your garage door open again. Did you hear any? Because it'll be midnight. People will wait till midnight, right? Like, we don't want to go over there. What if they have company? We don't want to be intrusive. So then I'll get this text when I wake up. That was me in your garage last night. In case you heard anything, just shut your garage door again. So, you know. If you want to see the, the video of Greg running for his life, you can go to 680CJOB's Instagram. We would love for you to follow us there. Or follow us on Twitter at 680CJOB. We've thrown it up on both platforms of social media. Switching gears at 6.30, we're going to talk a little bit. Is it 6.30? I printed the lineup, but I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> When are we talking about masks? That's right, six thirty-seven. Good memory, Brett. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not like we haven't talked about masks enough on this show, but it just there's these little nuances or these changes or suggestions that keep happening over the past few weeks that have us revisiting it again today. But this, our question this morning is for the mayor of Winnipeg because he is hoping the province mandates masks across Manitoba. And many other cities have just taken care of this themselves, Greg. So our question is, if this is really important and something you're passionate about, move forward on your own bylaw to mandate masks, if that's what you're thinking. Well, I made a little bit of a joke on Twitter that I was anticipating a citywide non-binding plebiscite on whether or not (laughs) we should be wearing masks. And that was a poke at the mayor for the plebiscite on Portage and Maine. Uh, Leadership is the word that comes to mind here. If you feel strongly enough about something that you have the power to do that something about that very thing. I think you should explore all opportunities to do that. You should make it very clear that that is what you are going to do. But in the meantime, if somebody has the power to do what you want done quicker, ask them to do so. But in the meantime, I'm going to be figuring out how I can do it. This whole idea of waiting for somebody else to do something about this is very, very frustrating, especially when they have the ability to do it. Uh, there was some back and forth, I know, with uh, regard to masks on transit buses. Brian Bowman was like, I don't know, do we really have the power? To-? Yes, you have the power to do it. The power of Grayskull or 510 <laughs> Main Street. In this case, you can do it. So, uh, you know, just say you're working towards that. And if Mr. Premier, if you can expedite this process, please do so. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, there are questions surrounding the future of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. So owner Sam Cates announced yesterday that he is part of a group that's working to bring pro baseball back to Ottawa. This is the battle continues between the city of Winnipeg and the Gold Eyes over a new shop park lease agreement. And so the question that's being asked this morning is what does this all mean for the future of the fish? Global's Kevin Hirschfield has more on what the former mayor Sam Cates Sam Cates says he signed a favorable lease agreement with Ottawa City Council to find a new team for their vacant 10,000 seat baseball stadium. He says he's been approached by multiple leagues interested in making a deal. What I am saying to you is that we have uh, a lease 
for a ballpark in Ottawa. Uh, it's a 10,000-person lease. Uh, don't have to put up $13 million. Don't have to pay property taxes. Don't have to pay business taxes. The city covers utilities and maintenance of the field. Now, all of that is in reference to what's happening with his ball club in Winnipeg. Cates is currently embroiled in a battle with our city council over a lease agreement at Shaw Park. Now, when asked whether this new lease is a threat to keeping the gold eyes in Winnipeg, he threw the ball back to city council. At this stage of the game, it's in the hands of city council to decide if they want to keep professional baseball in Winnipeg. Now, the city of Winnipeg and the team have for years been trying to come to terms on a deal for the stadium, which sits on city-owned land. The team's current lease charges just $1 per year and is set to expire in three years. And Kate says he's looking at all the options available to him. So I'm looking at a report here, guys, out of Ottawa that says that uh, Cates and his group, uh, their agreement with the city of Ottawa, they have to pay $473,000, which is arrears owed to the city by the previous group that owned a baseball team in Ottawa, and their lease is $125,000 a year. So that may include all the things that Sam Cates said that he wasn't paying in Ottawa. Uh, The proposal here in Winnipeg is for about $50,000 a year, and then obviously uh, some other things Cates is referencing or suggesting Suggesting that he would have to pay here in Winnipeg. Can I just say this? The Winnipeg Gold Eyes are not moving to Ottawa. This is not an NHL team where a franchise in any city in North America is going to be welcomed with open arms. The Winnipeg Gold Eyes participate in the American Association of Independent Baseball. Geography is critical with these independent baseball leagues. So Sam Cates might be starting a baseball team somewhere else. And but it's he, a second team. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it would be a completely other team. He's not moving the Winnipeg Gold Eyes as an American association franchise to Ottawa. He might want to run another team in Ottawa, or maybe he just wants to run a team in Ottawa, period, or this is a negotiation ploy. Who knows what it is? But the asset here is Shaw Park, and it is Winnipeg. Winnipeg is a coveted market for independent baseball. This city's fans have supported the Gold Ice since 1994. Several times it's been the top draw in all of independent baseball in terms of attendance. So the asset are the is the fan base, the city, and that stadium. So would it be sad to see the Gold Eyes go away? They have a tremendous success over the years on the field. Andrew Collier and his team have done incredible things in terms of building franchise here in Winnipeg. But it is genuinely one of the two or three flagship franchises of the American Association. And just like when the Winnipeg Jets left in 1996... April 28th of that year, there was hockey on the ice in the form of the IHL Manitoba Moose the following September. And if there's no Winnipeg Gold Eyes owned by Sam Cates, I know Councillor May says there's nobody else. There'll be a lineup for people to put a team in Winnipeg. This is a coveted, coveted, coveted market for the American Association, plain and simple. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you as always for your text messages at 204-780-6868. For example, Loren getting a lot of text messages on (laughs) the garage door. 
Oh, some tips for me, hey? That's right. Like, for example here, uh, one listener saying, McNabb, use a broom or any stick to give you a few feet head start to make the garage uh, sensor time easier. I had to do this before replacing the garage door closer. And for anybody just tuning in, can you just give us a quick recap of uh, what's going on there? Well, the whole race to get your garage door to close if you're trying to close the garage door from the inside and then run out if you don't have the opener in your car, which sometimes I do not, then you've got to hit it by the door, then race. So hit it by the door of my house and then race to the garage door before it closes. And you have to kind of hurdle the imaginary line, the sensor, so you don't trip it so that the garage door stops and goes back up. And so I was saying I... This led to a late night game one night with some friends and neighbors and uh, years ago. And so I don't know how to do it well. Where I, is I, night? Where game? is the sensor? Like it, it's, it would be like, I want to say uh, not hip height, height, but maybe two and a half feet off the ground. So three. you could potentially like roll under it Indiana Jones style Ooh, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nobody has done that. We should do that. That's better. <laughs> like I need a mat. I'm not just, gro- well, no, I need to <laughs> you're, you're a country girl. I you don't need any mat. It. I we never don't occurred need no to me to stinking mat. Never occurred to me to roll. That's even more fun. I'm going to get the kids to try that first and then we'll see where we're at. Your sensors are pretty high. Mine are like about a uh, foot off the ground. I would not be... <laughs> Well, I genuinely don't I know enough. slowly crawl underneath them, never <laughs> let alone roll underneath the sensor. Let me be clear. it's You're trying to jump over this line, and it's not like I can jump that high. So I'm assuming I'm jumping 20, or sorry, two feet when I'm trying not to trip that sensor, but it might only be six inches off the ground, <laughs> and I just can't jump that high. <laughs> well, hey, Mackling, give yourself some credit. We saw this morning an incredible feat of athleticism. Go to our 680CJOB Instagram or Twitter if you want to see Greg making a mad dash to try to get through the door uh, down the hall before, uh, because he didn't have his pass card. He figured out how to open it, but he only had like five seconds to get there. It's a great video, really funny. Greg come, he was so happy, he came in and said, Brett, I think I got a video for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know how you love your social media content. I like to contribute once in a while. <laughs> so you go to our social media and have some fun with that. And in our next segment, we're going to have some fun talking about the seasonal transition traditions that we hate because you may have seen in recent days there's now pumpkin spice craft dinner have we gone too far with the pumpkin spice what do you hate about seasonal transitions and the traditions that come with them start texting us at 2047 (laughs) you don't like the pumpkin spice just uh, come on man it's out of control get it together people it's not that good (laughs) it's not that good (laughs) <laughs> I I like craft dinner. I like pumpkin stuff. I don't know that I would like the two of them together, but as with anything, I got to try it before I, I say no. But just a mere idea it just seems like completely unnecessary. So we'll talk about that in our next segment. And, of course, we've got stuff to give away. Tickets and treats pass for two for Landmark Cinemas. We'll do that at 7.15. And details in our next segment on how you can win a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia, which we'll give away after 9.15. There are a growing number of places, Greg, that have mandated masks in this province. Yes, Brett. Many box stores, big box stores, require them for entrance. Some smaller retail chains as well. Just about every store in the outlet mall requires them as an example. And in all city-run facilities like libraries, transit buses, and city run recreation centers, masks are required. But Mayor Brian Bowman is worried those mandates don't go far enough. 
Well, we're just seeing the numbers right now. Uh, they're not going in the right direction in the province. And so one of the things we've learned over the last number of months is uh, that they are, they, they can play uh, a role in helping support uh, some of the other fundamentals like washing one's hands and physically distancing. And so we've, we've been leading on this within our city facilities and transit buses. Uh, I, I hope they're, you know, Firstly, I, I was asked the question, so I answered it this morning as, as I'm responding today. Um, I hope they are considering uh, making masks mandatory province-wide. I think uh, it could go a long way. So so the they he's referencing is the province, and he's saying he hopes that the province moves to make masks mandatory because he's worried about the cases. Of course, we know health officials, guys, have been asked several times over the past weeks and months about masks and whether or not they should be mandated province-wide. And so far, the response has been no, or sometimes, you know, and not yet, or we're not there yet, in part because the test positivity rate and hospitalizations, they remain relatively low. So those are some of the things Dr. Rusin watches for. And when they were mandated dated for about a month in the Brandon area, Prairie Health Region, it was it, because they were also getting reports of large gatherings where people weren't keeping their distance. So there was all sorts of things in plays, play there, not just that a mask will fix this problem. But numbers in Winnipeg are rising. That's what Winnipeg's mayor is obviously watching. So we're asking if he's worried about it, why doesn't he moved to mandate masks in Winnipeg. Why can't the city do this? Because that's what Toronto did several months ago. A smaller municipality in southern Ontario, I think it was the Guelph region, it did it way back in June. Edmonton, a mask bylaw has been in place for more than a month. And from what we've seen so far, Quebec is actually the only place that mandated masks province-wide. The rest has been individual cities or towns. So why doesn't Winnipeg do the same? It is something we could we could begin those efforts. Um, that being said, at this time... Um, my preference would be for the level of government that's responsible for health uh, to lead. They've got the expertise as well. Um, and we've been working, you know, we, we've been working with, collaboratively with the province of Manitoba since day one. Even our own mask uh, rules that we brought in were done only after dialogue with Manitoba Health. And so, um, you know, the, the preference, uh, especially when you factor in the capital region and having kind of consistent approach uh, would, be, uh, would be province-wide. Um, but again, ultimately, that's going to be a, you know, this is going to be a decision by the province. Um, at this time, our preference is to, you know, to defer to the province and Manitoba Health to, to, to weigh in and consider that going forward. But uh, the short answer is we could, we could look at that and there, there are measures that we could look at in the future. So they could do it, but the mayor, as you heard, says he's taking the lead from provincial health officials. And even when they had the masks go in place on transit buses, that was after extensive conversations with the provincial health officials. And I do know in bigger cities like Toronto, they do have their own doctors uh, and their own public health officials that as a city, they defer to many times. We don't necessarily have the same kind of system in place in Winnipeg. But if this is an issue, Greg, why not start the ball rolling now for a bylaw in Winnipeg? Well, uh, I agree. And if the province steps up in the meantime, then that's all well and good. I, you know, I was just on the city of Winnipeg website. I, I thought I recalled that it was the city of Winnipeg who did all the inspections with regards to restaurants and health and safety at restaurants and health regulations there. But the province took that over. So the mayor has a little bit more of a leg to stand on in terms of his position on this. But I fully feel that if you're in a leadership position, you feel strongly, the mayor clearly feels strongly about this. Why not do what you can do and 
ask for the province to do what you want them to do. And if in the meantime, your bylaw passes and gets implemented, then so be it. Uh, Edmonton, seeing extraordinary results, they suggested that about 80% of Edmontonians were compliant with regard to suggestions for masks and, and this bylaw at the beginning when they implemented in August. They say now it's up to 97%. And Brett, I think there's just that segment of the population who simply will not put on a mask until you say, until somebody says that they have to. They're not anti-mask, but they're only going to wear it because somebody tells them they have to. Yeah, you could call it holdout or, as you pointed out, maybe not necessarily anti-mask, but I know that there is some resistance and, and we've talked about this before too. There is just kind of almost an instinctual nature for many of us to resist just because right? It's like, oh, you're, you're going to wear a mask? Well, I'm not going to just just because. I know for me, I didn't start wearing a mask until stores, grocery stores started making them mandatory. And that's where, and, but just when you go, like when you look around in any store, I don't want to be the only one <laughs> not wearing a mask, right? It's almost like fear of, of being shamed by others. And I know that there are some people who are just vehemently opposed to it, the you know very ag- aggressive on the the anti mask. We get text messages every day from people at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight on that. One of our listeners, Jeff, sends us a link yesterday that says, "All right, guys, go crazy!" And you click on this link, and it says, "Sign up to try the best idea ever." And we think, "Oh, I like the best idea." This sounds like the best idea ever. And then the question. Ever wondered what craft dinner with pumpkin spice would taste like? And I immediately thought, no, no, I haven't. Like if your mac and cheese had hints of cinnamon, dashes of allspice, and layers of ginger, nutmeg, and cloves all slathered in KD cheese. Stop it! Yeah, no thanks. No, probably not, but we made it anyway, says Kraft Dinner. And if you want to be one of the 1,000 lucky Canadians to try it totally for free, then you can sign up and they'll let you know when it arrives later this fall, whatever. Can I pay not to try it? Yeah, pumpkin <laughs> spice. It's uh, A lot of people think it's gone too far. Is lucky in quotation marks? So, <laughs> hey, I, I like, I love pumpkin pie. I know a lot of people get super excited when the coffee shops start rolling out the pumpkin spice lattes, but there's pumpkin everything. And I know a lot of people get annoyed with that. So we want to ask the question, for a chance to win a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia, text us at 204-780-6868. What traditions do you hate about seasonal transitions? So let's go around the horn here. We've got Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, Jeff Forte. Forte, why don't we start with you? Clearly, you're not into the pumpkin spice KD. No, I just, uh, like, KD, it's cheese. You shouldn't be having <laughs> pumpkin spice with cheese. It just doesn't doesn't seem right at but all. It, it, it seems a little weird, but, uh, yeah, any other seasonal transition traditions that you don't like? Well, I, I saw on the email you sent us uh, flip-flops. <laughs> I got a friend, she, like, once, like, the snow is gone, it'll still be cold outside. She puts on the flip-flops barefoot. And I'll be like, oh, let's go for a walk. She's like, nah, it's too cold out. My feet are going to get cold. Well, then don't wear flip-flops. <laughs> what the hell? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> I know some people who don't. Uh, I think actually it might be our buddy Taz Stewart. I think he wears sandals all year. Yes, he mm. does. Even in the winter? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. He's hardy, I guess. Hardy. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> I was thinking of a different word. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Kelly? 
are, are those pumpkin spice uh, pizzas that uh, you're giving away? I hope not. Yeah, same here. Yeah, because that would be uh, awful too. You know, I've I've often wondered, especially after we had a day like yesterday when it was 27 degrees, I believe, and there is this theory that you can't wear white after Labor Day. Like, mm. What was the matter with wearing white yesterday when it was so warm? Interesting uh, point, Kelly Moore. Yeah, I've often wondered about that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, we should be allowed to do you know, what we would like to do that does not violate or, or hurt someone else. And wearing white after Labor Day doesn't seem to, you know, fall into that category for sure. I've never understood that. I wonder yeah. if that's in California as well. I'll have to it's, do some research. Loren, it's like an old know? money, new money thing. It was about because when you were rich enough to go on vacation, you'd have like a home in the Hamptons where you'd wear your white flowing. Oh, yes, of course. Your blouses and your <laughs> pants. I don't know. And uh, that's what I've read before because this has come up because it's such an old, old tradition that I and by that I think it really just comes down to showing off who had money and if you didn't have enough money you obviously weren't vacationing uh, by the beach and therefore you know you might be wearing white to stay cool wherever so I whatever that's I if people are still following that rule I'd love to hear it because I'd like to think that one is almost all but gone. Jeff Braun what about you? Just to clarify, Brett, you are on some sort of a craft dinner mailing list. Is that right? No, I am not. You enjoy the TV so much that you get updates from the company when they put out your products? Uh, one of our listeners sent us. Oh, so I don't know if he was on the mailing list, but no, I am not on the craft dinner mailing list. Should be, but I'm not. The thing that bugs me the most is the, the pumpkin spice thing. I, I don't like pumpkin flavored anything, so I just ignore all of it. But the thing that it, I don't, I wouldn't say I hate it, but it freaks me out is uh, it's sort of in line with a sandal thing. When, when people wear shorts in the dead of winter, you'll sometimes see that you'll be just like driving down the street in January and there's a guy on the sidewalk wearing shorts, even though it's minus 25. And it's like, it's just dangerous. What are you doing, man? Put some pants on. Yeah, one of my buddies wears shorts all year long. You're right. It, it seems like if, you, if you're trapped outside for an extended period of time, you're risking some frostbite yeah. there. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we've been talking this morning about the traditions we hate about seasonal transitions. For your chance to win a large two-topping pizza, Santa Lucia, keep texting us at 204-780-6868. We will pick a winner just after 9.15. Loren McNabb, we never got yours. What's the one you hate? Christmas pudding, Christmas cake, anything with dried fruit in it, that weird <laughs> age it forever. Sometimes it's aged for months, if not years. And apparently it's supposed to have alcohol in it, which you think would make a difference for me. But no, go away, Christmas cake. I, you have to choke it down. Nobody wants it. Christmas, Nobody. Is that like a fruit cake? Yeah. Yeah, fruit cake. It's like, oh, a, it's like okay. British, I think, or Irish, maybe. I don't know. Well, there's like the first problem, right? Medieval tradition. It's supposed to have plum. Sometimes it's called plum pudding, but there's no plums in it, I don't think. But there is other dry fruits. <laughs> show, okay. me a, a, show me a, a dish from the British Isles with any taste whatsoever. <laughs> you could light it on fire with alcohol, and I would still say go away plum pudding. Uh, very quickly, Jeff Forte, who won the tickets for Landmark Cinemas? Greg Sokolsky. Greg, congratulations. Landmark Cinemas tickets and treats pass for two. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Loren, you were talking about your hatred of Christmas cake. Well, Jacob texting us saying, sorry, Loren, I like Christmas cake. Almost bought some the other day. Superstore is already selling it. Oh, see, that's another thing people are hating this morning is, is when we talk about tr traditions of any season that kind of bugs you. It's how quickly, as soon as one event's over, another one starts. And so when it comes to Christmas, a lot of people have been writing in saying, you know, the season has 
already begun and we haven't even had Thanksgiving, let alone Halloween. And then, of course, Remembrance Day. And we're already seeing Christmas stuff out. Jacob, what does Jacob like about it? That's what I need to know. Maybe I just maybe it's just because I was a kid when it was first brought in. Mm -mm. It could be something because it was forced upon you, perhaps. Yeah, like I remember having to have like a large glass of milk as a milk as a young kid (laughs) to wash it down. Milk. I love when you try and say milk. It's milk. my favorite thing. I can't. It's like the most ha- every person I've ever met in life has been. What is your deal with milk? Yeah. Where are you from? Oh, we have several colleagues in the building who can't say milk. They say milk. Uh, Forte <laughs> yesterday, we were giving him a hard time because he said he had a bagel. Bagel. And, before, and oh, Greg and I look at him and say, what did you just say? Bagel. There. there you Wait, go. Well, no one confused how we say it. It's bagel. There's no confusion, it's, Jeff. No, it's, it's bagel. What? <laughs> say it again? Bagel. Close. Uh, you're bagel? still trying to say bag, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. not bag. It's bagel. Bagel. Milk. bagel and milk Heather adding that plum pudding is disgusting it is in fact doused in brandy and lit on fire my brother and I would have one (laughs) scoop of the pudding and three scoops of the buttered rum sauce that grandma made I do like fruitcake though she says but that may may just be the marzipan on top that I might be mixing these two up like the Christmas cake is there a difference between Christmas cake and plum pudding I don't know because it all has some dried it all has that fruit stuff in it so that you know, while I'm at it, I also don't like Jello with stuff added to it that appears on the table around. Yeah, it's just Jello and, and a little bit of whipped cream on top, and that's yeah. it. But Jello with fruit, Jello with carrot shavings. I've seen oh. all of that can can go the way of the plum pudding, yeah, with the, like the Jello mold or whatever. The yes. yeah. gelatin. Yeah, oh, yeah. When you use that terminology as well, it <laughs> really <laughs> is a turnoff. I'm getting a little pushback on my take that uh, most uh, food from the British Isles is very bland. Oh, one of the I said come on let like uh, people saying english breakfast okay well okay who doesn't uh, tell me what that is first of all and if it's bacon eggs and uh or sausage and eggs and some other stuff who doesn't love that but it's not delicious it's just really good it's comfort food and then one of our listeners i think it was jason said uh yorkshire pudding and gravy i'm like okay Okay, I love Yorkshire pudding as much as a nice person, but leave the gravy off. It's disgusting. It's terrible. You're not eating it by itself, and I don't think the Brits can claim gravy as their own invention. So you're going to have to do better than Yorkshire pudding and gravy, I'm afraid, and don't hammer me on the shepherd's pie. I love shepherd's pie, but really, what does it taste like? Nothing. Well, it depends if who makes it, right? If Rachel makes it. Rachel makes it. Yeah, then it's, it's a the, trifle. It's got Jello and it's got, I think, chocolate. Ladyfinger and cookies jam. and jam. Mm, who doesn't like jam? <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, just quickly, you want to tie something off here. Mimeograph or Gestetner machine. That was the old-fashioned copier back in the school days. Had about two dozen responses to that on text, but Peter was the only one that said the smell was methyl hydrate. Oh. That's why you loved it so much. So thank you for all your feedback. As always, 780-6868. Methyl hydrate. Is that by Calvin Klein? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
It's right next to one. And I don't know. I can't think of any and other the ones. the beach or the ocean. So yesterday, right around this time, I think it was around 746, 747 yesterday, I was looking at cjob.com to get the question of the day. And I noticed that something was wrong with it. And I realized that our friends in the afternoon, Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, and Richard is saying, hey, I had nothing to do with this. Mm. But they, they screwed up our question of the day. We asked Monday morning, the success experienced by Schitt's Creek at the Emmys had us talking about our favorite Canadian TV shows. So we asked, of these four, which is the best? Now, there were no qualifiers into in the question on, we picked these shows because our listeners texted them. Like, there, there isn't enough room in the, in, but it's not meant to be a definitive, like, these are the four best Canadian shows. We just picked four shows. It was a sampling. Ran. Yeah, it was a sample. And that's why we said, of these four, which do you like the best? SCTV, The Littlest Hobo, The Hilarious House of Frankenstein, or Degrassi? Well, Rich and Julie altered the question to, of these six, which is the best? SCTV, The Littlest Hobo. They added The Kids in the Hall. They added Corner Gas. They added Murdoch Mysteries. And they left Degrassi, which means they cut The they Hilarious House of Frankenstein. They just took it out. So I Who said, do you think you are? So yesterday, uh, when I saw this, I declared war, to which they fired back with this nonsense yesterday afternoon. What's silly is the start thinking that they have the definitive list of Canadian shows. Ooh. And they don't put Mr. Dress Up on it. They didn't what? put Mr. Dress Up on no. it? Uh, no. Brett's been yipping and yapping about I know. this uh, House of Franken horrors. I did say yesterday, Hilarious House of Frankenstein was quality television uh, Canadian programming that I, I used that was, to have to watch. I thought that was on like Videon back in the day, some sort of cable well, I only had, program. I only had three channels in Rapid City, so when Hilarious House of Frankenstein was on, you watched it. So I can appreciate that that was on the list. But how do you have that on the list and you don't have Mr. Dressup? I'm with you on this. That's outrageous. And they also don't have the beachcombers. So you know what? Start. This is what we have to say to you. What's your problem, Westwood? I heard you're out here playing vigilante. It's not allowed, relic. Can't be vigilante. Relic won't allow it. You have to have Beachcombers also on the list of the best Canadian shows of all time. All right. It's worth noting the Beachcombers was in the discussion. We had it down to five, and we wavered between the Beachcombers and Frightenstein. We went with Frightenstein. It's impossible to include everything. We picked four shows, kept it simple. We got those shows from our listeners texting us, right? And the first words out of Julie's mouth were, they didn't even put Mr. Dress up. Well, neither did they. That's yeah. right. <laughs> like, we didn't put it, but neither did she. And that was the first show out of her mouth. Right. Secondly, you know what? Let's, let's just divide this up. Let's just have question of the day morning. And go ahead. I Call think yours capital, the afternoon. Yes, I think in capital letters. And I love the clown show music because <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what this discussion amounts to. Not our point of view on it, of course. But if you're going to demand the Beachcombers and Mr. Dressup be on a list, you there. had the opportunity to put it on, guys. Or hire Ipsos, if that's how seriously yeah, yeah, you're yeah. taking Step it. Step up your game on yeah. the question of the day. Like, if you, don't, you don't like our question? Make your own. Don't screw up ours. Because that's what right. happened is when they eliminated Frankenstein, they wiped out all the votes that went to that show. Yeah. So do you do you see what that means, CJB listener? They don't care about you and your <laughs> vote. 
Lack of respect. Oh, boy. It has been thrown down. I am glad I'm not on that building. Richard's going to come in. He's going to cycle to work. He's going to come in in his bike shorts, and he's going to be ready to karate. This is a a different kind of thrown speech, isn't it? This is a thrown down speech. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. Great start to the hour. Mackling, McGarry, wow. I've so, got pizza on the brain. That's what's going on here. What are you thinking about? Santa Lucia pizza. We're giving it away after 9.15. Keep texting us at 204-780-6868 on the traditions that you hate about changing seasons. Like Chuck, who says, I hate having to turn back the clocks every fall. With the weather already getting gloomy and colder, we then lose an additional hour of sun at the end of the day. Great point, Chuck. So keep your text coming. 204-780-6868. After 8.37, we're going to check in with Kathy Kennedy, KKN for Hal Anderson Afternoons today. And we'll have to check with her on which other days she's doing because I believe TFJ is taking over for KK at least one of the next two days. Okay, well, I need to know when that is so I can put it in my calendar. That is appointment listening. Yeah, so KK joins us at 8.37. Want to start this hour, though, as we grapple with rising COVID-19 numbers in Winnipeg along with the best way to react to the increase in infections, the prime minister of a country who battled the coronavirus personally is taking action again. To combat a surge in COVID-19 cases, the UK, the United Kingdom, is reimposing some restrictions that it saw before. Crystal Gomancine of Global News explains what the rules are, how they're being enforced, and then, of course, this plea from British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. We must take action now because the stitch in time saves nine. And this way, we can keep people in work, we can keep our shops and our schools open, and we can keep our country moving forward. A plea from the British Prime Minister as tough new restrictions come into effect. In pubs, for example, there's no more standing, only table service is permitted, and only until 10. We're keen to reduce the amount of hours uh, pubs, bars and restaurants can be opened. Uh, because that leads to, unfortunately, greater socialization and the virus spreading uh, as well. Servers must now wear masks along with taxi drivers and retail workers. The tough new measures could stay in place until spring. That's something the head of UK hospitality says could lead to more job losses. We just reached that tipping point where we might be able to stand on our own two feet and this will knock us right back to where we were in July because of the, the negative impact on consumer confidence. And fines are rising for those who don't comply. The military is on standby to ensure officers aren't spread too thin as they focus on enforcement. Anyone who can do their job from home is being told not to go into the office. Johnson says there is no alternative and isn't ruling out more restrictions. Crystal Gamancing, Global News, London. So that line right near the end really stood out for me, uh, Brett Loren. Anyone who can do their job from home is being told not to go into the office. I think that's something that should have continued for as long as possible. And we're seeing that. We did some feature stories last week on this marketplace, what's happening in Winnipeg and the number of people who are still working from home, even though under law they could be here. But there are organizations that are saying, hey, let's keep doing it the way we've been doing it. It's working okay. And then the other thing is this... 
I think it's a, a little bit of a canary in the coal mine for us. Full-scale lockdown of our economy is not what anyone wants, but the lesson here has to be in any of these countries that are seeing a resurgent, uh, resurgence in the coronavirus. We're seeing it in Quebec. Teresa Tam warning that we might be seeing it right across the country right now is that we're going to be or might need to be modifying some things that we had unmodified in the last several months. And so there has to be, I think, a happy medium in terms of what we're doing in order to avoid the worst possible situation. And I just would argue, Loren, that we haven't been doing that. We've gone to, outside of wearing a mask when you do it, we've gone back to just about doing all the things that we were doing in January, February, and March, other than starting our cars and uh, scraping uh, ice off the windshield. Yeah, and I think in many circles it's gone from we're not supposed to be doing this to I don't think we're supposed to be doing this. Pretty sure we're not supposed to be doing this, but we're doing this. And so that goes for gatherings. That goes for the way we might operate when we go shopping. That might goes for conversations we're having at work. Now we might have kept distance from people and we're not. And when you make up that point about the balance, striking that balance to avoid a shutdown, to avoid going back to essential businesses or, or non-essential or whatever you want to call them, closing to avoid that happening, we have to do all those other things, right? Because we saw the the ramifications of that. And so if we want to keep, say, restaurants going and patios going and you still want to support them, then you have to think about how you're going to do that. And that goes to that back to work situation that I do know people who have been sent back to work, back to office jobs, who were doing them fine from home. And so they, they're asking questions to their employers. Why are we doing this? Why are we here if we don't need to be? Because we're the more people who gather together, no matter how they're gathering, the greater at risk you put everybody, no matter what kind of rules you have in at your workplace, no matter the distance you're keeping, right? And so I think that's the key. It's about that balance. I know that for me, it always feels weird when I walk into a restaurant. Like I went to a restaurant a couple weeks ago with a buddy. And uh, as I was pulling my mask out of my pocket, he had already just put his on. So we both put our masks on to walk into this restaurant. We keep our distance from each other and from the staff as we walk in. And then they seat us at a table and we're sitting like two feet across from each other. And then we take our masks off. So it's, it's like there are, there are times where I very formally follow the, the protocols and follow the rules. You know, when I'm getting on the elevator downstairs, I'll stand six feet. Like there's a lineup of people. Right. I'll wait six feet. And then when I get on, I'll swipe my card and then I'll go stand in the corner and face the corner. Uh, but then as soon as I start talking, get upstairs and start talking to my coworkers, it just feels kind of normal. So I know that I'm even sort of straddling the line. And sometimes I wonder, am I stepping over the line? Yeah, I think we're all in Everyone, that situation. Yeah. I think we're all in that boat. And, and that's those are sort of the things I think we can remind one another of. Brett, I was telling you, I went out for lunch with one of my boys yesterday and he, they've, you know, they have to wear their mask at school. Well, he wore his mask in the car. He says, well, I'm with you, dad. You were at work today. So I'm just going to wear my mask. And then we went into the restaurant. He didn't take his mask off until it was time to eat. And I was like, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. So we talk about kids and their ability to adjust and and to navigate these changes. Well, I think they're way more pliable than a lot of us are. And the other thing I can't believe, and this is going to open up a whole other can of worms. I know we got to run here, but I can't believe, Loren, that after almost seven months of this, and you could argue 10 months because it's been since January that we knew we needed to tackle this COVID-19, 
how we don't have a better saliva test, rapid testing, I, I, I would have imagined by now that of all the things that could have been done mm-hmm. in this period of time would be to have better testing so that people would have an idea of where they stand yep. and, and not have to go through that nasal swab it's, situation. And, and not just because of that situation, but because of the length of time we're seeing to get some of these results, right? So if you're someone waiting for a test right now, you're at home in theory and potentially. So now you're at home waiting for the test and you might not have the days to accommodate that. So that the quickness of the test and, and also just how it's done, uh, something that needs to be addressed. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb text message at 204-780-6868 from Uliana on the traditions that we hate about seasonal transitions, about season changes. Uliana says, the transition I hate is people freaking out that Costco sells Halloween and Christmas decorations in the summer. Newsflash, retail is always seasons ahead. Every year this happens, but every year people are shocked. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Juliana, thank you very much for that. Anytime we can sneak in a Charlie Brown reference, got to run with it. And I think this text message from Kevin the Garbage Man could be squarely aimed at, I mean, that we have the perfect person to respond to this. Kathy Kennedy in for Hal Anderson Afternoons. And KK, uh, Kevin the Garbage Man, as we listen to some Took, by the way, I just clued in. Greg was like pumping his fist. I'm like, I know this song. What is it? Um, Kevin Never the enough gar- for you. <laughs> Pumpkin spiced minnows for fishing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I said, what about pumpkin spice pickerel? That might be a hit. Oh, come on, people. The breading? But I do on. have a legitimate minnow question that maybe Kathy can answer. I was cleaning up my freezer yesterday. I don't know how they got in there, but I have a container of minnows. So okay. what do you what, mean you don't know how I, they got well, the kids, in there? The kids fish and my in-laws fish, but I don't fish. So I was like, roast chicken, yeah, I've got some ground beef. All right, good. Put this over here. Spaghetti sauce I made on the weekend. That'll stack up nicely here. Oh, minnows. Huh. And then I yell out to my kids, guys, can I keep these? Like, how long can I keep these for? And my nine-year-old's like, you're good. And I'm like, how do you know? And what are these doing in my freezer? So do they just keep forever? Well, not forever, but yeah, yeah you can keep them for, a couple for years? quite some time. Yes. I mean, and it's then just going when, to the fish. You, my, my only tip to that is when you do thaw them out, uh, sprinkle a little salt on top and you're good to go. I'm not eating them, though. I want to be clear. Like the salt yeah, no, the I, fish? <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Lorenz, like the, the family in the Burbs where they're serving up sardine? Or like yeah. sardines and crackers? Uh, I'll have like people over for dinner six months from now, and then I'll have to call KK and be like, yeah, so the salt didn't work, Kathy. <laughs> You have the wrong crackers, clearly. Is the salt to melt the ice or or is it to make them more it's, tasty for the, the fish? Flavor. It brings oh. the flavor. Oh, Danny's whole hog reference. I love it. Uh, can, can we ask you, KK, uh, kind of ambushing you with this, but is there uh, a tradition that you don't like when it comes to seasonal changes, whether it's pumpkin spice or earlier we mentioned the shamrock shake? Um, I don't know. Is there anything that jumps to mind for you? Well, you know what? I I, I appreciate uh, the last texter uh, that talked about, hey, look, retail, you know, is is all about 24-7 seasons, right? Uh, but it does tick me off. Um, when I walk into a store 
in September and I see some Christmas stuff going up. It just, it's, it, I understand it. I get it. Uh, the, the season for selling can be short at times, but you know what? I don't need the reminder, especially on a day like yesterday when it was 30 degrees and it, we still have a lot of fall to deal with. Let's not think about Christmas just yet. Is that what we actually got up to yesterday, by the way? Did it hit yep. 30? Yeah. Yeah, yep. it did. Yep. Just shy of a record for that day. I believe. I saw Rob's OBS report that, that we were close to breaking a record yesterday. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it was a, it was a little breezy, but what a gorgeous day. Never thought I'd be out in shorts. I actually got attacked by a couple of mosquitoes last night. I was out in the back deck oh. enjoying the evening. And I was actually, it's like, I looked at the calendar and I went, yeah, okay, I'll take that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hardy enough to be around still, I, I will absolutely respect the relationship. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. One of the things we're going to be talking about today is the hidden costs of working from home. Loren, for example, you've been working from home since March. Uh, I would have thought maybe you working at home would have saved you some cash because you came in pretty much every day with something from uh, Tim Hortons, right? Yeah, so for sure there's been savings because I'm not stopping for my coffee run. And then also I'm not stopping on the way home for anything else. Like I might try to make it home to have lunch or bring my lunch. But on the days when you didn't, you might stop and pick up an extra sack, snack. So you're saving there. But then on the other hand, being at home means I'm drinking more of my own coffee. You might have used the coffee pot at work, right? If you're mm, at yeah. home versus at work. So mm-hmm. the, uh, there's two or three coffees a day that I'm having at home that I never would have consumed before. There's more food at home that I never would have consumed before like it's because it's there. Like I just had a bowl of soup at 7.45, which I never would have done before. And then I'll have a leftover hamburger at 10 and all these little things that you're eating <laughs> along the way. Like you're eating more and as an aside, gaining more. Um, there's, there's also too, like I had to beef beef up my internet because it wasn't strong enough. And so we paid extra for that data usage on the phone is up electricity. Like, you know, that might just be a few light bulbs that are on longer, but it's all day. And more than that, as we head into winter, I'm curious to see what impact I might see on the heating bill, because typically we turn the heat down as well as the air conditioning in the summer when we're both at work and now you're home. And so if those things are fired up more, so there's some savings that have been made for sure on maybe not eating out, not driving, gas, insurance. And then on the other end, there's just other things that you're consuming and using more at home that I perhaps didn't think of off the hop. Well, wear and tear on your personal devices, right? Your phone, your home computer, if you are using it as an auxiliary one. I, I think you have one from work, but there's an inclination to, to work on two machines if you have that ability to do so. And the one that jumped out for me is printing. Printing ink or printer ink is already expensive. And so when you have to have a printer on hand to print off reports for your kids and different things for school, that's one thing. But if you're using that for work, uh, the, the printer ink is incredibly expensive and that can add up pretty quickly. And you mentioned the idea of uh, having to beef up your internet. I know that uh, Shaw, in my neighborhood, I was talking to the guy that was uh, doing a little bit of a preliminary investigation with regard to them beefing up the, their systems. They had a five-year plan to roll up some out, uh, roll out some upgrades in Winnipeg. They've actually sped that up to get that done by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So uh, different places because they, they understand that 
internet has become a utility for a lot of people. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a luxury item for a long time, but has now become something that we absolutely need all the time. I wonder if your water bill's going up as well. Yeah, I've thought about that too because we're using the dishwasher more, more clothes, uh, laundry's being done. Not because you're wearing more, it just feels like you're doing more things at home. And so you're just ramped up all the different expenses that might be associated with that. And so there's all those little, I, I would have to sit down and really take a look at the budget to see what the wins and losses have been. Because at the beginning, of course, you know, date, there was no daycare and you weren't commuting and our car was on. Uh, lay up because we didn't want to be paying insurance for a second car, but now that the kids are back in school and activities are in theory restarting, you know, we're back using the car and insurance the same way we were before. So there's all, there's, you know, there's been some ups and there's been some downs with those costs, but there's, it is the little things that you didn't think about, like the internet, like the ink, like the paper, pens that you might buy, you know, all the stuff that you relied on your office to supply is now on you. Well, Greg, how much are you spending on milk these days? <laughs> milk, it's milk. milk. That Red has not changed. Uh, our budget for milk is uh, exorbitant. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, so that that hasn't changed at all uh, because. Uh, oh, I because so the, with the boys being home, they weren't drinking more milk. <laughs> no, you can't drink any more than they already <laughs> drink. It's absolutely unbelievable. But cereal, our cereal budget went through the roof okay. in the summertime because normally they would be at a camp and then you send them a lunch, right. a traditional lunch with a sandwich or or something other than cereal. But uh, you've heard me uh, go through the whole process in my house. I'll be, it's, it's sometimes three or four times a day they're in that cereal cupboard. And uh, so that's dialed back a little bit, but we stocked up yesterday. Uh, yeah, the different foods and stu- such, no question about it. I, I go to the grocery store like three, four times a week. It's like a hundred bucks every time I go. It's ridiculous. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868 if you want to weigh in on this. Uh, How much are you spending if you've been working from home? You can also email Mackling at CJOB.com, McNabb at CJOB.com, Brett at CJOB.com. We'll be talking more about this throughout the day right here on CJOB. And just very quickly, Loren mentioned she's going to have maybe a leftover burger after 10 o'clock. I also have a leftover hamburger at home that I ordered yesterday from a place called the Monstrosity Burger because Hal Anderson was posting about it on social media. It was massive. I could only eat half of it. So if you have any tips on the best way to reheat a burger, can you let me know at 204-780-6868? Because if I just put it in the microwave, it's just going to get soggy and gross. You need a new bun. You just got to get a new bun. Yeah. What that's if the sad part of it. What if the bun is made of grilled cheese sandwiches? Because that's and what this burger eat it, is. Because it sounds delightful, soggy <laughs> or not. <laughs> it was you amazing. Need all the information. Right? <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have our winner for Santa Lucia Pizza, a large two-topping pizza based on your text messages and the traditions you hate about seasonal changes. We got lots of texts on time change. Lots of We ended up getting a lot of side texts on plum pudding and Christmas cake, Loren. <laughs> that ended up becoming a, its own sort of uh, beast of a conversation. Uh, but we've got three texts here, two runners-up, and our winner. Loren, why don't you start with Sylvia's? Sylvia texts, my dreaded season is from summer to the beginning of school season, where as a teacher, I have to go out and purchase every student's school supplies for the year, trying to find the best bargains and stretch that money to last all year for them. Yeah, I can only imagine that's hard with just two kids if Sylvia's doing it for the whole class or school. Greg, 
Thanks, about Sylvia. Gary slash Sleepy Beefaroni. <laughs> uh, the tradition I hate with the season changes none. I think living in a climate where we experience fully four distinct seasons and all the clothing and vehicle preparations that go with them. Bring on the pumpkin spice and early Halloween stuff. We are lucky to live in Manitoba. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. Love the positive take on that, Gary. But we're going with Eve today just because he's so colorful in his anger. And Eve is one of our most loyal listeners, and he texts us every day. And Eve says today, what I despise, loathe, hate, makes me puke, is the Christmas decorations being out in stores already, and it's only GD September. <laughs> Eve, thank you for, as the emperor would say, I can feel your anger. Yeah. <laughs> so, Eve, you win the pizza. We'll be in touch. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.